looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. Yes, past the post, March 20, and we had an outstanding day of racing right along the eastern seaboard yesterday. Of course, five Group 1s on Golden Slipper Day at Rose Hill Gardens. The potential is always there, of course, for a great story in these Group 1s. It doesn't always eventuate. There's always a winner to talk about. But, oh, gee, yesterday, these five Group 1s presented some great stories. We're going to delve into those this morning here on Past the Post. South of the border, it was the All-Star Mile and Zaki one, as sort of half expected. And north of the border, at Aquas Park Gold Coast, it was Jules Day. And again, the expected results. We'll talk more about them later in the program. But I want to start with something funny before we go anywhere further. Ben Dorries, good morning. Oh, no. Where's this going? Where's good it? You, morning. You, you're fresh up from a spell. You weren't on last week. Now, you're just going to stitch me up something here, No, mate. not past the post brought to, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, website archerparkracing.com.au. They've got one runner today, early thoughts in race three. You're a part owner of it. <laughs> so all along, all along, I've been trying to entice you into these Archer Park horses, buy this well-bred two-year-old good trainer. Oh, I can't afford it. I'm a battler, blah, blah, blah. You all said you've got a runner in there today. Yeah, well, this came about. We actually had a punters club, and uh, we had some proceeds from the punters club. So uh, the syndicate uh, called Early Thoughts has got a uh, got a share here. I've got a not even a toenail to be honest, but uh, you know Tiff Brooker on board. You've got something, Stewie Kendrick. It's a last start winner too. I love Tiff Brooker. She's a great girl. We're riding very well, so hopefully she can uh, produce something for us. Seven dollars and two fifty the place. Early Thoughts in race three. Hope it runs well for you. So yesterday. Uh, from a, from a journo's point of view, it would have been a great day at Rose Hill. There were a lot of good stories. Yeah, the story of the carnival, to me, uh, and we will have Danny Williams on later, mm. Shelby 66, wowee, they'll make a movie out of this horse or a documentary or something. This is just uh, next-level stuff. I think uh, it's eighth run in nine weeks. They couldn't even win at the Sapphire Coast not that long ago, and, and now winning a Group 1, that is just a, a life-changing, extraordinary, extraordinary story. And I think Golden Slipper as well, there was quite a few of us, probably me included, potting the two-year-old form a, a bit this year. And, you know, we don't know quite what to make of it yet. But I will say it was a thrilling golden slipper. I thought it was, was a really great race to watch. Uh, Fireburn was electric. And got to give a shout-out to Casey Fogden with Best of Bar mm. at Bordeaux. That was, uh, you know, one of the training performances, I think, that we've seen one of the better ones from a Queensland trainer in the last few years. Uh, he was terrific, that colt, to run second on a heavy track. Um, so Casey Fogden, even though she didn't win, has done Queensland very, very proud with that horse. Yes, yeah, certainly. Fought on like a cage lion, but uh, Fireburn, she can be described as a tigress for what happened to her and still the win. We'll discuss that shortly, but let's go to the first of our replays. The first of five group ones, and this is the biggie, the Golden Slipper. Cool and Gatter hadn't run since the Magic Millions, but on reputation alone was set out the favourite at $3.70. Best of Bordeaux swings in front by length on Dormier. Then came Sweet Ride from Lady Laguna. Cool and Gutter being called upon running on. Best of Bordeaux just in front of Dormier. But Cool and Gutter's giving chase. Best of Bordeaux bravely in the lead from Cool and Gutter. Coming through is Fireburn with a big run off the fence. And Fireburn charges home and gives Gary Portelli second golden sliver. Fireburn beat Best of Bordeaux and Cool and Gutter third. Followed by Dormier. Further back to Ojai, she's extreme, queen of the ball. Then came Jackano from Revolutionary Miss Shajardin, uh, Lady Laguna from Rise of the Masses, Seven Vale, Seven Act, and Sweet Ride was about the last to finish. Fireburn went into the race somewhat unheralded, and that's despite a record of four starts for three wins. In fact, she's always flown under the radar. But uh, yesterday, uh, she showed a number of qualities uh, that wins you a golden slipper. Let's not talk any more about it because I want to have a chat with Gary Portelli, the trainer. He's been kind enough to join us as our first guest. Gary, good morning and congratulations. Thanks very much and uh, good morning to you too. I was just saying about this filly uh, by Rebel Dana. We'll come to that later. She'd only suffered defeat once. Uh, always winning, finding the line, tenacious, courageous... But, but as I said, always seemed to fly under the radar. There was always one to talk about a bit more for some reason. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Sometimes um, seeing isn't always believing. Mm. Um, and I couldn't believe 
you know, the price difference between the Colt and her. I, I honestly didn't think there was much between the two horses all the way through. Um, every time we put a hurdle in front of her, she jumped it and she won. And, and then all these other horses were getting beaten and whatever it was, were, were shortening up in the market. And I just thought, well, you know, I, I couldn't, I, I just was confident I had the right horses, but, um, you know, they were all looking for something that got beaten and was looking for the unlucky horse. And, you know, with two year olds, I believe anyway that, you know, the best horses win and they find ways to win. And, um, you know, her record, she, she probably should have been unbeaten. She was unlucky at a first start. Um, you know, it was, uh, she almost blundered and fell at one point and then made a long, wide run. I think if we'd have ridden her back cold, she would have come with a run and won. So she should have had really an unblemished record. And, um, you know, but I think yesterday um, she went to a new level. Take us through your emotions during the race, Gary. I'm assuming you were probably tearing up your tickets with both of your horses at various points, and especially, I guess, with Fireburn really being sort of put on her nose, and, and you must have thought she was probably out of the race when she, she, she suffered that interference. Oh, look, it was, it was a, an emotional roller coaster to watch both horses get into trouble into the first corner. You know, um, we were hoping that our, our riders were going to be able to take up a better position, maybe midfield, but they just didn't jump well enough. The speed was crazy in that first corner. So going the first turn, I thought, oh, we're going quick enough. Our horses were together, both beside each other, and they both got interference at the same time. Um, obviously, she got the worst of it. She got uh, shuffled right back and went nearly through the fence. Uh, the Colt then proceeded on the race and got checked a few more times into the turn in the straight. He never got daylight. So his run was wasted. But during the race, I thought, well, approaching home term, I just thought, oh, well, we're out of play. This is the Golden Slipper's gone this year. We thought we had the horses, but unfortunately, the, the you know the uh, you know the luck in running wasn't there for us. And you know, I was already you know in repair mode, thinking, well, you know, we're going to be dealing with some disappointed owners here, and that sort of stuff goes through your head. And um, then I saw them colours starting to rail up, and. Um, you know, she was flying on the inside, and I just know what she's like when she sets out after someone. She's got Rebel Dane's ability to pick herself up, accelerate, and keep accelerating right through to the winning post. And she stamped herself as a proper Group One horse yesterday. She certainly did. Let's go. I want to drill down a bit more on that incident halfway through the race, which is quite clear on the replay. So she gets sort of, or well, she's extreme, sort of falls back on her, and then she cannons into. I think it was Sajardin. But when this happens in a race, whether it's a golden slipper or a narrow maiden, it must knock them about physically and also mentally. So to overcome both of those setbacks and then still charge and win, that's a very special and exclusive quality, I'd say. No doubt. No doubt. I think, um, you know, as you say, when that happens, but what people don't realise is horses have to breathe in rhythm with their stride. So when these sort of things happen, all of a sudden the jockey's up in their mouth trying to turn them and, and, and control them and they stop breathing for a certain amount of time. Then they've got to get galloping again. Then they've got to get their rhythm with their breathing back again, getting oxygen in. And we all know, anyone said, going for a run, if you don't breathe during your running, you are not going to finish off when you asked to accelerate. Um, the, the, the lactic acid builds up and you just run out of puff. Um, for her to do what she did, it's just, you just can't believe it. It's stuff you dream about. It never happens in real life, you know. Um, and, and she did it. So it was a bit like watching the Belle de Jour thing, you know, when she flew out in the air out of the gates and Lenny Beasley landed back in the saddle and was able to still win the race. This this filly was the same sort of feeling for me. Was I just thought she was, you know, she was out of play. And Brenton actually said he thought that from, the, from that accident onwards, he was just going to protect her, try to get her back into some sort of rhythm try to beat a few homes so we could at least get in the top 10 and get some prize money. And um, he couldn't believe the horse that he had when he straightened up. What was the situation with uh, Jason Collett with uh, your two slipper runners? Because obviously he'd ridden both. Did he have the, the choice to ride Sajardin or, or Fireburn? Obviously he was on Sajardin. Yeah. What was, it, what was the, the backstory there? Yeah, no, he um, he, he chose Sajardin. He thought he could win the race based on what he felt from both horses. So um, and unfortunately he never got a crack. So... Um, you know, he was another one that was, you know, getting shuffled about and couldn't get in any sort of rhythm. And then he never got daylight until the last hundred. You actually see him starting to get through the line late. So 
he's, he was more like a barrier trial for the size produce, and um, you know, and, and, and both horses have pulled up so well this morning. You wouldn't have thought they went round. So it just goes to show it. These top class horses, um, they've just got that recovery, better recovery, more ability, and uh, can handle all sorts of situations. You had a lot going through your head during the race, as you've explained to us, having two runners, um, finding them striking trouble, and then all of a sudden you've won your second golden slipper. But in the or in the aftermath, um, and again, I don't know if you're an emotional person or not, but to see the colours, the Laurel Oak colours, and the fact this filly is by Rebel Dane, who you trained, it must have been a very special five minutes or so after the race yesterday. Oh, it was, it was. You know, it's been special all the way through for, for me with her. Mm. particular being you know I, I trained Rebel Dane's mother I trained him and then I've got this beautiful filly that's just kept improving and just she's got the same quality as him she's got this beautiful shape beautiful eye uh, gorgeous sort of features and she's got the ability to keep accelerating um, through a race I've watched a few times when she's won he had this ability that when he started you know, people probably don't understand it unless you're a horse person sometimes, but or even an athlete. If you keep working one muscle, um, say, say you're working your left arm, it burns out, you work to your right arm to work. You know, with horses, when they're galloping on the, 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 the leading leg as they straighten, you'll find they usually switch after they're straightened onto the new leg, which will be the left leg, and they'll power off that because they're using a muscle that hasn't been used as much. And they accelerate, go through their gears, and then they, they, they usually stay on that left leg all the way down the straight. Where Rebel Dane... He would do that, and then if he still couldn't catch the leader, he's still 50 out, he would switch back on the other leg again because he could feel he was burning on the, the other muscle. He'd kick off it again. He could kick three times in a straight to catch her. And she's doing the same things at two. She's just doing so many natural things that, you know, most horses with a bit of time have to do, you know, and, and she's just phenomenal. How did this compare for you sort of uh, yesterday to She Will Rain? Like, that was obviously a magic moment, your first golden slipper, and uh, everyone remembers that. But was this right up there or, or even better oh, in some yeah. ways? No, probably a little bit better even. You know, I, I, I thought that She Will Rain was an absolute certainty. I don't know, silly. I don't go to the race very often thinking that any time, you know. But I just thought she was the dominant two-year-old all year. And... Um, and she just had that gun run, she, beautiful ride. She kept railing up and she straightened up and she put them, put them away. But this girl had to come from, you know, obviously getting knocked down and thinking she was just in no hope of running anywhere um, to putting in one of the biggest wins you've ever seen, the slipper. Um, it was just, uh, it was an amazing feeling. It just, you know, I've got to watch it again. I, I just, <laughs> yeah. you know, it all happens too quick. And the good part is when you watch it, it looks so bad, but you know the end, what the ending's going to be, so it all ends up so good. As a trainer, any trainer wants to win every black-type race available. You've now won two golden slippers. Does that sort of put you in that frame of mind where you say, well, this is the race that I want to win again? Uh, this, uh, this is up higher than any other race? Oh, definitely. It's, it's, I'd love to win a Cox Plate. That's one thing I've always dreamt about as well. But, you know, that's, I think that's the next level again. I think Cox Plate is the... You know, if you talk about boxing, it's the heavyweight championship. It's the the horse can get 2,000, wait for age. They've earned their stripes. They don't get in that race unless they're true group one horses, and that's a race I'd love to win. But the slipper is a bit more, I think, technical as training. Two-year-olds are very, very uh, intricate, and I find that I really enjoy getting into horses' heads and understanding, you know, obviously identifying the ones that are going to be good enough and cope with the situation of, getting through to racing it to but you've got to be right on your game as far as listening to what your horse is telling you as far as how much more work they want if you've gone too far um, if they've had enough all these things that I think you've got to be right on your game with the older horses are pretty easy they just you know they almost train themselves you just got to keep, keep them fit and they turn up but babies can be gone to the paddock tomorrow you know and that's the things you've got to read and don't let your your mind um you know, or, or your passion or, you know, what you want, um, take over the, what you're seeing. Because, you know, you can push horses too far. If you want to win something, you keep aiming at something. That horse is telling you, I can't get there. If you don't listen, you're going to probably ruin the horse's future. So for me, I've, I've, I really love watching the, the, the changes, the subtle changes in a horse during a preparation. And, and working with them and hoping that every year you buy something or get given something that is actually good enough to train and aim at a good two-year-old race. But 
you know, I really enjoy that part of it. It's just what you see on race day is basically what I tell on the riders and everyone that handles them is, is a mirror to what you've done, is what you've educated that baby to do. And, you know, when they come out and do it, it's just like watching your kids score a try. You know, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, the size is a couple of weeks away. Um, Gary, I'm just having a look at the, the tabs. Uh, fixed odds market on that group one now. Fireburn's the $4.50 favourite and Sir Jardin's at $11. I know we're only, uh, you know, a day after the slipper, but as we, we sit here right now, are they both likely to go to the size? And, and if so, would, would you like a wet track again, clearly, I guess, for both? Um, look, uh, both horses will go there. At, at this stage, what I saw today was two very, very um, happy horses. Um yeah, they'll, they'll definitely go, wet track or dry track, I'm not sure. Um, after what I saw yesterday, the sectional, she ran on that soft track pretty good and, you know, she's she won the dry, he's won the dry. Um, but, you know, obviously when you do get to a wet track, if, you, if you've if you got that bit of, um, I would just say, um, uh, you know, the ability to beat the other horses based on the track, then we've got the right horses for that. That's for sure, but um, I just don't forget Sajjad, and he's a, he's a proper Group One horse. But he was just um, he was in all sorts yesterday. Gary, once again, congratulations! Uh, what I like about us talking this morning, you provided a great insight not only into Fireburn and Sajjad, but also the animal, the, the thoroughbred itself. It's been a most interesting chat. Continued good success, and the way they raced yesterday, particularly Fireburn, I'm sure you'll have a lot more success. Thanks for your time. Thanks, thanks, thanks very much, guys. And it's always good to talk to you guys on a Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> We've won a race. We've won a decent one. So it's really good. Yeah, thank you. Pleasure. Gary Portelli joining us this morning. A couple of other things we must talk about. Brenton Avdala, of course, only a month back after that very bad injury, I think in August last year, one unhinged uh, in the surround. And uh, again, you know, he, he cops that interference... All of a sudden, he's off balance as well as, as a jockey, so to speak. What do you? What do I do? What do I do? But she was able to 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 work with him, and they they got the prize. Yeah, terrific result for him. I think we should make mention of Cool and Gadda as well. Was sent out the three dollars seventy favourite quite well back, which surprised me to be honest. Seeing as we hadn't seen her since the Magic Minions, and there was obviously a heavy track query, but she. To be honest, she got beaten less than three lengths. Loomed as the winner there at one point. Oh, I thought she was terrific, to be honest. Uh, I think if the track was dry or she potentially had have had a run going into this, gee whiz, she would have given it a shake. So she's high up in that size market as well. be interesting to see what they uh, do there. So I think, um, you know, Coolangatta uh, got well beaten but certainly didn't disgrace herself and there's definitely a horse to play with there. Her run was very, very good. Um, you know, an unorthodox and probably unscripted preparation but I still remember that day and I've mentioned it here James McDonald saying when she won the Bruce McLaughlin it was only a soft five or six that day and she we all thought she'd go there and win by five she wasn't she was a winner but she wasn't dynamic and he said post race he said she wasn't comfortable on that sort of going well she had to strike a heavy nine yesterday first up in a golden slipper I thought she's run terrifically going to throw up something completely left field here best of Bordeaux obviously um uh, you know, Aquas owned or, or majority Aquas owned, they've got an Everest slot. Would that be the most stupid thing you've ever heard? As a three-year-old, I think he's uh, this, the the world's his oyster. He's a he's a front runner. Gee whiz, he was he was game there yesterday. He's only I reckon we've only scratched the surface with him so far. It'd be interesting to see the future for this horse. Yeah, hundred um, percent. For a little while down the track, but not beyond the realms of possibility. We'll come back to Rose Hill Gardens shortly here on Past the Post. A lot more to talk about as we outline at the top of the show, but I want to go to Flemington now, the fourth running of the All-Star Mile. Zaki was second up, drew the wide gate, Jamie Carr riding for Annabelle Neesham, but Putter stuck, stuck solid, he was a short price favourite. 600 metres to go in the All-Star Mile. Call sign Mav in front from Zaki, the outside, who gives it the stare. Lightsaber a length and a half away. Pinstriped wider. Streets of Avalon. Ice bath deeper. They were followed by Luna Fox to Fane. I'm Thunderstruck. Inspirational girl trying to wind up. Six off the lead. Zaki went to the front. 300 metres to go. Put up two legs. Streets of Avalon. Pinstriped. I'm Thunderstruck. Late then. Call sign Mav. Zaki with 150 to go from Streets of Avalon. I'm Thunderstruck. 
Thunderstruck, but it's Zaki clear. 50 metres to go. Zaki, a star, an all-star mile winner. Scored a length and a quarter. Second, I'm Thunderstruck, Streets of Avalon. They were followed by Mr. Brightside, Cascadian, Inspirational Girl, Sierra Sue, Ice Bartafane, Pinstripe, Call Sign, Mav got tired. Well back, King Magnus, Lightsaber, Captivant, and Luna Fox was one of the last. This Queen Elizabeth jigsaw, we're putting the pieces in bit by bit and it's all looking a very pretty picture come April 9. We'll talk about Animo a little later and very elegant. But Zaki staked his claim for the, the big race in three weeks' time. Now $4.50 with very elegant behind Animo at $3.50. Yeah, that Queen Elizabeth is going to be the race of the carnival. The race. I think it will be absolutely sensational. I mean, you've got the big guns, Animo, very elegant, who obviously got beaten yesterday, Zaki, also Jewess, Monophilia, I think it over. Wow, we what a race. But I think uh, the right horse won this race. Um, you know, some people have potted the All-Star Mile a little bit throughout its journey, but you go back and look at the winners. Mystic Journey in the first year, Regal Power, Mugatu and now Zaki. I mean, they're no slouches, are they? It's it's not being won by sort of second-rate horses. So, um, yeah, terrific ride there from Jamie Carr. Just getting that horse into clear galloping room, I think, was the key. Uncluttered, just allowed to build. And, of course... Huge moment for Jamie Carr. I know she's won plenty of group ones before, but uh, let's not forget she was uh, she was banned, obviously, last spring. She was out in the outer. She was down in the dumps. So uh, you could tell that race really meant a lot to her, yeah, even though it wasn't a group one, of course. But. And champions come back. We've seen it time and time again, whether it's racing, whether it's other sports. They have a bit of a dip. There's a bit of a, a dry gully. But we know how good they are. And, and, you know, nine out of ten come back. And, of course, we're at, I was at Morpherville on Monday... And the crowd really got behind her because, of course, she's a hometown girl. She won the Adelaide Cup, a race she's wanted to win for a long time, and she won five of the nine races. It was a great atmosphere at, at, at Morfordville on Monday, and her winning more than half the card certainly assisted in that. Now, your man, Steve Hewlett, he's absolutely obsessed, obsessed like with Streets of Avalon. He, he, he's, uh, but good luck to him because you know why? Uh, this horse ran sensationally well yesterday to run third, and as Steve has been reporting for a while, uh, one of the next stops, or the next stop, is uh, that Rockhampton race, the Archer, the new slot race. So uh, that will certainly add a lot of interest to that race. So, um, yeah, Ram particularly, you know, never looked like the winner, but ran particularly well. Oh, ran out of his skin. And he, he's been a great horse streets of Avalon for his uh, connections. Did, they say who, did he say who the slot holder is? Uh, no, I don't think so. No. Oh, listen, we should make Couldn't mention. All right. We should make mention of I'm Thunderstruck too. Uh, terrific tune-up for a, uh, probably a Doncaster. I would have thought. Uh, never looked like he was going to win, but ran on um, very nicely. The bat barrier one was probably a little bit awkward. Um, there's a Group One win in that horse, I think. I know you wanted to jump in and talk about the tempo of the race. No, I'm not. Be a new time out. Well, <laughs> let, well, let me do it for you. The tempo of the race was very significant to the outcome because Zaki came across sat quietly, pace dropped right off. Uh, they were running uh, sections of, you know, 12 and change, and he was always going to win after that. And, and so in, under those circumstances, just that I'm thunderstruck, that run was good because he ran well against a pace a pace bias. Yeah, I thought pinstriped was disappointing, maybe because uh, I backed this horse. But, uh, yeah, it, it took a little bit uh, of work to get in a decent spot early, but... Uh, dropped out fairly quickly, beaten almost six, mm. six lengths. So I expected a little bit more there. He was unlucky in the Australian Guineas, but sort of a different ball game against the older, toughest teak horses. But, look, I, I think you're 100% right with Zaki that uh, the best horse won of the day. So he goes to the Queen Elizabeth. Can we, will we see him in Brisbane? I probably doubt it. Uh, I actually floated this with Annabelle uh, a Magic Millions time. And just with the, you know, the condensed sort of carnivals these days, just going from one to the next to the next. Mm. You can't run in every carnival. Of course, when we saw him in Brisbane last year, I think he'd only had one run, I think, in Sydney or one, one Australian run. So he came up here to, to you know, to, to, to get some runs on the board and then go to the spring. But obviously, you know, with a deep autumn prep this time, I think it'd be unlikely we'd see him in Brisbane. Yeah, I'm just sort of thinking uh, April 9, the um, Queen Elizabeth, Doombin Cup is, I think, May 22, could you go there and then, of course, you go there, oh, then do we stay for the QE2 like last year, which they did and got the job done. But you're right, he did come in with a lower profile and a different preparation last year. So 
Yeah, probably unlikely, but not the longest shot in the world. Yeah, look, uh, no, yeah, not a not a hopeless chance, but I think given what happened with the Cox Plate scratching on race mm. morning last year, you know, all roads are going to lead to the Cox Plate. Everything is going after autumn. Everything is going to be clear, uh, geared towards the Cox Plate. So whatever fits in best uh, will be what they do. Having said that. She said uh, quite a few times, this horse just likes being in work, likes racing, so not beyond the realms of possibility, although I doubt it, David. He's $7, Zaki, in the Cox Plate with Adam over. That's a long way down the track. Let's continue to the uh, look back at the Group 1s, and this is a race that you alluded to, the Galaxy. Shelby 66, week in, week out, he's turned up and delighted race goes, and he certainly delighted them yesterday. Here's the replay of the Galaxy into the straight and it's in the Congo from in second position Malkovich big parade and then came further back to isotope away game overpass looking for an inside run Shelby 66 into the clear it's in the Congo from big parade Shelby 66 is coming after them Shelby 66 goes after big parade in the Congo fighting on Shelby 66 put the nose in front wow from the highway horse to group one hero today Shelby 66 Beat Big Parade and in the Congo. Followed by Brooklyn Hustle. Then came over past Bellucci Bay, Bella Nipotina, Rule of Law. Then came away game from Paolaili, Malkovich, Jamea, and Isotope giving ground. And Ballistic Lover pulled up pretty sharply. It's pretty hard to find superlatives or describe this story, this Shelby 66 story. I think, firstly, we should just outline to the listeners this horse's record prior to yesterday in his last five runs. He was $11 in a highway on the 5th of February and ran 5th. He was $12 in a highway at Rose Hill on the 19th of February and ran 2nd. Then on a heavy 10, he won at Randwick in a highway, $3.10 favourite. Then, of course, was nearly the giant killer behind Eduardo, second in the challenge, then won the Morris McCartan last Saturday. And here he is in the Group 1 Galaxy yesterday. This is a story and a half. Danny Williams is the trainer. He joins us now. Morning, Danny. Uh, good morning, David. Good, good morning, Ben. And good morning, listeners. Well, astonishing. Uh, yeah, well, uh, astonishing is the word. And, and as Ben said at the start of the show, you wouldn't have been listening then. Uh, it's almost so far the story of the carnival. He just keeps turning up, going to the next level. I mean, for you, uh, what are you feeling? What, what, are, your, what are your thoughts? Are you, pride would be one of them, I would imagine. Oh, look, I'm blown away. It's it's very surreal at the moment. I, you know, you 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 go to the races. It's you know we work very hard um, in in the racing industry. You get up very early in the morning. You work long days, and we battle away. And uh, we got to the point where we, we we felt that this opportunity, these sorts of opportunities, would never come along again. And it just an incredible ride the last three weeks. I just can't believe it. Danny, I reckon this is uh, the feel-good story of uh, racing, you know, for the last couple of years. It's it's just sensational what you've done with this horse. Congratulations. Um, I must say it is the most unconventional racing preparation I think I've ever seen. I mean, did you did you, did you you have any idea sort of four or five weeks ago that, that uh, you know, you're going to be you know, racing week after week after week or... You know what? What sort of led you to this? I mean, was it heavy tracks? Was it the fact he performed so well in that challenge? Was was there something you saw earlier? Just just run us through this preparation. Well, I, I think I think it comes back to um, chance and luck. Um, we've always had a, a preparation similar to this. It's it's not so much that we've changed anything in particular. It's comes back to luck we we were trying to get an opportunity to race in what they have here in new south wales called the country championships and he was a horse that we tried to get in last year and uh, unfortunately after his first start he ran third at ramwick in a highway he quarter cracked his foot and unfortunately um the more we pushed the horse to try and get into the races the more things started to happen and another two runs in he quarter cracked his foot again half a centimetre in front of the other quarter crack and he wasn't able to get to the country championships last year and this year we we, we tried to get him in but unfortunately he didn't have a high enough benchmark so we programmed to try and have a second 
throw at the stumps at the wild card at Scone, which is today. Um, and unfortunately, the horse um, had some bad luck and continued to either get interfered with or didn't get a high enough rating. And when he won at Randwick, a highway, we thought, well, that might be good enough to get him a run in the wild card. So we thought, we'll stick with our program. And this is where luck's come about, that um, we looked at what was coming up and there wasn't a great lot for him. We were looking for a wet track. And we threw a nomination in for the challenge. I did a bit of homework and the last five years there were only six runners. So I thought, well, why not send him around in that? We'll pick prize money up and we'll give him a good hit out. So um, the rest is history, really. The horses run out of his skin and <laughs> unexpectedly nearly beat the, the two best horses going around over 1,100. So we've just been on a ride ever since. And Daniel, I think um, you've been on a ride with this horse, but but personally as well, um, you know, when just for our listeners that are, that are not aware, when you had um, you know that that terrific horse of yours, hot and hazy, uh, unfortunately killed, uh, you know, in a race fall, uh, I get the feeling without sort of having talked to you about this before, you you, you know, you 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 were in a, not a great way yourself, I guess mentally, and, and it was a real really challenging time as it as it would be in those circumstances. But do you sort of you reflect on those moments now you, you've sort of scaled, I suppose, racing's man Everest and won a Group 1. Does, does your mind sort of flicker back to those times as well? Oh, look, no doubt about that. It sort of really come out in the last Saturday week when I won the Morris McCartan. I've, you know, I've been in racing a long time. I've always been very passionate about it and I'm a very determined person. I... I rode as an amateur for, for a number of years. I used to go to the Cairns Amateurs quite often and I went professional and, and then when I was training I used to come to Brisbane quite a lot for the carnival up there. I think nine of the 14 years um, that I was here in Goulburn and you know we had some very good horses in that time and we raced in group races. We had a lot of success. We had some very good betting plungers and, and then the last Four years have been um, pretty tough. Um, financially, we went and spent a lot of money on credit. Uh, it put us into a lot of debt, uh, which we've been struggling to pay off ever since. It affected my business. Uh, we finally got an opportunity to get a horse like Hot and Hazy, who looked as a way out of a financial situation and to have a a really good horse that you felt something good about and wanting to continue on because I got to the stage where I, I, I guess our business wasn't going as well and we were thinking about what we were going to do. We gave ourselves a five-year um, goal to try and achieve something and if, if, if that didn't achieve in that five years, I was going to give it away and with hot and hazy coming along, it it, it um, yeah it was a, a bright light to us, and then to be taken away as he was, you know I was in a, quite a low time of my um, my whole life, and, and you know it's it's a very dark period that I wouldn't like anyone to go through, and you know I've had a really severe injury in that period of time, I nearly lost my life uh, breaking my pelvis on a horse that bucked and. And, uh, yeah, it's been a really tough time. And, and, and I reflected back on that last Saturday. Got, I got a bit emotional. And, you know, to to come out and win a Group 1 race yesterday and what's happened in the last three weeks alone has just been an amazing turnaround. You've, you've always been refreshingly honest in a, a world where... or an industry where there's a lot of BS spoken, whether it's good or bad, but you've always worn your heart on your sleeve. You've never minded saying what's going on fair dinkum in your life. By being as honest to yourself and, and to, to the public, does that help you uh, through tough times to the, say, well, at least, you know, my conscience is clear, I'm telling everyone what's going on? Oh, look, it's, it's, it's 
beat for all, um, depending on how people want to handle it. When, when we when we lost Hot and Hazy, I, I really I, that, um, Pat Webster approached me and, and 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 Reverend Colin from Racing New South Wales, and they they wanted to try and console me and 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 help me through it. But really, I needed I needed my own space to grieve. And um, you know, when you lose something like that, an animal, I'm sure that most people can relate to that when you're very close to that animal, whether it's family, a friend or, or relatives that pass away, it can be very similar. And, you know, I, I, I didn't handle it very well. I really didn't want the help. I, I really wanted my own privacy at the time. And it was a very tough time to get through, but um, everyone's, you know, for themselves, how they cope with those sorts of things. But um, racing is a very supportive community. Danny, the big question everyone wants to know, what's your horse running in next Saturday? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been asked that a few times since. Um, unfortunately, he's weighed out for next week, so we can't run him next week. And um, Look, there's a possibility we, we, we may have a meeting with the, remain, with the rest of the owners to um, determine whether we pay up for the late entry fee for the TJ. That's certainly... Now on the cards, um, we'll just have to wait until perhaps later in this week to see what the weather's going to do. If it appears as though it's going to be a wet week preceding that, well, then we may pay up 55000 for the late entry four weeks ago, maybe a bit more, particularly when the noms closed for that race. I think there are $195 to nominate. Um we were trying to win a race at the Sapphire Coast. <laughs> what happened that day at the Sapphire Coast? Jeez, he must have been something beaten there. Maybe he's come back in class. <laughs> I don't think we've seen a horse whose rating, the handicap rating has gone up so much in such a short time. I think he was at 96 going into yesterday. How many points will he cop after yesterday in the Group 1? Well, I haven't spoken to Ben Dunn yet, but... Um, I still, uh, I still have to send him the, the, the bottle of Scotch whiskey for the first one. So <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, he was a 62 um, country raider leading into the Challenge States. I thought he was particularly well looked after after that. I did expect him to get quite a bit more. Um, oh, look, I, I'm not sure. It makes him makes the future very exciting, but at the same time, as a trainer, you know, if you came back into reality, it's very difficult to try and place him in the future. So I think for the short time, we're looking at continuing that and keeping him running. And I know how difficult it is and what things can happen if you stop horses and try and molly collar them and try and look after them things can go wrong so i think whilst he's enjoying what he does and he's pulling up so well he licked the plate last night so i've never seen him better yesterday I, the horse arrived at the races and i was confident he'd run well because he was that happy and bright himself and if he's coming through races like that and going to the races i'm, I'm sure that you know you might even see me up there for the stradbroke well, that would be delightful because uh, he has captured the imagination of the Australian uh, racing industry. Uh, yours is a, uh, uh, when I say a good story, yours is a, a fascinating story and uh, you've spoken very openly this morning, which I, I expect nothing less. Thanks for your time. You've got a fit, healthy horse and maybe the ride's not over yet. It's almost one of these stories. Do you ever wake up and say, it is real, I'm not dreaming? <laughs> Well, that goes through my mind of a daytime, let alone waking up. <laughs> um, look, it, I guess for anyone listening out there that's battling along and and going through the grind of training horses, you've just got to have a go. And I think that's what we did when we ran in the challenge stakes. And if you don't have a go, you'll never know. So, I, you know, I applaud anyone that... Um, you know, is, is, is going out there and, and, and taking that chance. Good on you, mate. Thanks for joining Thank us. You. Pleasure. Thank you. Danny Williams joined us this morning and uh, you know, wonderful story, isn't it? You know what? I've been doing this show for a while with you now, David. That was my favourite moment. Mm. That, that was just tremendous. It's great to see someone 
Uh, I think he described himself probably generally as a bit of a battling trainer. Um, you know, he's battled depression and, and all sorts of things. Uh, they are the best racing stories, aren't they? When someone like that is picked up and wins a Group One with this remarkable horse. Interesting to hear him uh, mention the Stradbroke. Gee whiz, I would love him to come up here for the winner. And, and as I said there when we were speaking to him, refreshingly honest, uh, not afraid to, to tell it like it is. Let's keep going on. We've got two more Group Ones to have a look at. Let's go to the Rose Hill Guineas. And Animo was expected to, to bounce back to winning form yesterday. And the Godolphin three-year-old ran an odds-on favourite. It's Profondo coming back to Animo. A length and a half between them at the 600 metres. Forgot You moving up three wide. A length and a half to Converge, who's still travelling OK on the inside as they come up to the home turn now. And it's Profondo and Animo. Toe for toe at the top of the straight. Profondo in front from Animo. Two lengths to Converge. Animo's getting serious now. And he said, ta-da, to Profondo. Away goes Animo in the Rose Hill Guineas. He's well clear. Converge is trying to run into second place. He probably will at the end. But this is the best of Animo today. A brilliant performance in the Rose Hill Guineas. Won it by seven lengths. Converse second. Forgot you third. Profondo gassed in fourth. The Mediaro and Sinbar was last. Well, the conversation seems to be, is he a champion three-year-old? Or not? I would say he is. And uh, yesterday, certainly, I would say Frank that... Uh, Big winning margin, um, always in a threatening position. No one wanted to lead early. It was really cat and mouse, that first 400 converge. Jumped out in front, didn't want to lead. Adam over there, didn't want to lead. Profundo was over racing, went around and led, but in the end he smashed them. Yeah, absolutely. And um, going to the Queen Elizabeth now, James Cummings mentioned maybe either the Tancred or even the Derby. Derby is a bit of a pipe opener for that. So we are starting to see the best of Animo, and a lot of punters might be... Happy with that or sad with that, given what happened in the Cox Plate last year, depending on what side of that protest you're on. I mentioned, I think, uh, when we spoke about Forbidden Love last time, the Times suit. And the Times certainly said this, man, the tracks are heavy. She revels in them. Here she is in the George Rider. It's Riadini just in front from Laws of Indices. Dallas Sands been wired the trip on the outside of Forbidden Love. Then came Colding. Now Colette being roused along well before the turn. Private Eyes coming off underneath. Uh, got disappointed for a run there. Private Eyes, they straighten up. Laws of Indices races to the lead. Forbidden Love's giving chase now. Colette goes back to the inside and down the outside. Banker's Choice. It's Forbidden Love tackling for the lead. Forbidden Love put the head in front. Banker's Choice is running on well the outside. But Forbidden Love's drawn a length and a half clear. Colette the inside. Laws of Indices fights on. But there's another one for Forbidden Love. She's in grand form and goes on to win the George Ryder by a length and a half, Colette. Laws of Indices has run a cracker third, followed then by Banker's Choice, Private Eye, who got shuffled back a bit on the turn. Further back to Halal, Dallas and Colding, and Riadini was last in. We mentioned the Queen Elizabeth should be the uh, the showpiece race of the championships in April, but I tell you what, the Doncaster won't be too far behind. Big field, handicap conditions. You talked about I'm Thunderstruck, who I think is the favourite at the moment, but Forbidden Love with a light weight, I think they want to go there. Yeah, uh, only 50kg in the Doncaster. I noted with interest they're going to try and lure Jamie Carr down uh, to ride potentially at that weight. So I think an $8 chance. Uh, in the Doncaster, which is probably about right if they strike a wet track. If it's not a wet track, um, you know, probably under the odds, I would have, would, have, would have thought. So let's go to the final group one from Rose Hill Gardens yesterday. This was the Randvet. It was expected to be a benefit for Very Elegant. That was reflected in her long odds on price. So they're starting to take slightly closer order and on top of the 600 metres a length on Angel of Truth. Now Modophilia pulls out three wide and McDonald gets onto her back now and very elegant. As things start to ramp up at the 450, Angel of Truth lays it down to on top and Modophilia gets going and a length and a half further back to very elegant. Modophilia races to the lead of the 350 by a length on very elegant is drifting a bit, in a bit under pressure. Modophilia is going great guns. Is she going to cause the upset. Montefilia is fending off there. Very elegant. And Montefilia draws clear here in the Rampart for a fourth Group 1 victory. And she's claimed a big scalp today. Montefilia by a length and three quarters to Very Elegant. Six lengths to Angela Truth. A gap back to Sikandrabad. A misery and on time. I think it's a fair comment that any time you can beat Very Elegant in a race, you wear it with a badge of honour because we know she's a champion. But Montefilia beat her fairly and squarely. Watch the race as many times as you like. 
and she couldn't get within Kiwi of Montefilia. David Payne's the trainer. He joins us this morning. David, congratulations. Good morning. Is that Dave or Ben? It's David and Ben, so it's me okay. first. It's not the odd couple, David. It's, it's me yeah. first. Did you give yeah. yourself a chance to beat Very Elegant yesterday? That's oh, the first question. Yes. To, to be honest, uh, you know, you don't like to talk about it, but in, um, I knew we could beat you on the day. I, I told Jason before the race, I said, just make sure <laughs> I'll... Uh, James doesn't get you boxed in or something because, you know, she's a filly that's got to use a big action of her, a mare. But, uh, no, no, we, we were quite confident, to be honest. I told the owners, you know, that she, she can beat her. Um, was one of the keys, David, I suppose, not getting into a sort of a dogged, you know, scrap, I suppose, with Very Elegant in the final stages? Because she, she loves a tight finish, Very Elegant. Was, was it a bit of your game plan to just, you know, no, avoid no, that no. situation or not? No, not at all. We uh, look down under Samantha Fuli in a battle too. She she doesn't give up. You know, look, she she's a man on the up. You know, uh, she's a she's a different filly. So, I mean, six months ago, you want to see her now. She's a big, strong man. So I think you know, by missing the Melbourne Cup and giving her that extra time, has helped her a lot. Were you always comfortable uh, on that heavy nine track? Did you did you feel like that had been a sweet spot or not? Yeah, well, she's, she's won on a heavy uh, eight as a two-year-old when she beat the old horses at uh, Rose Hill. So, you know, we thought we'd, we'd, she, she, she'd handle it all right. Well, she's only had the 18 starts. She's won six of them. Of course, we saw that seven-day backup with the flight and the spring champion stakes a couple of years ago. The Metropolitan, yesterday the Randvet. Now, I imagine now the Queen Elizabeth, is that the path you're plotting? Yes, uh, that, that, that's where she, she'll go now. But originally it was going to be the Cancred and the Sydney Cup. But she had a, a early on when we brought her back and got her going, she had a setback. She had a, a quite a high white shell count, so we had to ease her back in her training. And I said to the owners, I said, well, we we'll might have to go to plan B, you know, and go for the Queen Elizabeth and then hopefully the Melbourne Cup. Mm-hmm. And it looks like... Uh, it's work, working that way. So after the Queen Elizabeth, in three weeks' time, win, lose or draw, do you pull up stumps then? I would, yeah. And then concentrate on the Melbourne Cup. That's always been my ambition. And that's why I pulled the plug last year with her. I thought she was a bit too too young. You know, she ran fourth in the Caulfield Cup. And I just thought we, we, we might uh, do her more harm than good by running her rather than pull up stumps and uh, go next year, all going well. We couldn't squeeze one more run out of her in the Doom and Cup at Wait for Age in May? Is that t- too too much? Uh, no, I wouldn't risk it, to, to be honest. You know, she, she's done enough already. Sure. You know, I think you just got to plan. I want her to have a long career, so I, I don't want to start, uh, you know, just going for the, you know, just mapped out a program so we're going to stick to it. Good to hear. Thanks for joining us this morning, David. Good on you, mate. Thanks, Dave. All the the best, mate. Cheers. David David Van Dyke. David Payne joining us this morning talking about Montefilia. And he has uh, managed this horse impressively. Only the 18 start. She's rising five. And, uh, well, she goes into that jigsaw puzzle for the Queen Elizabeth. Yeah, it will be, uh, as I said earlier, the race of the carnival. One thing we should probably touch on just from a, a sort of local point of view isotope yesterday in the galaxy um was the four dollar favorite for most of the week uh was still sent out the favorite but six dollars fifty got beaten 10 lengths mm. um but tony gollan this morning saying she just didn't didn't go a yard in the heavy nine so he's just going to bring her back and set her for some targets during the winter yeah jockey said that as well and also a little slow to recover in in the stewards report Great day of racing at Rose Hill Gardens yesterday. Of course, we're back there again next Saturday with a host of feature races and then into the championships at Royal Ramwick on April 2 and 9. This is Past the Post, brought to you by archerparkracing.com.au. They'll run early thoughts today that Ben Dory's part's own. We'll be back with more in just a moment. Past the Post on Radio Tab. Racing was at Aquas Park Gold Coast yesterday. This meeting is becoming a very strong meeting at this time of year. The dual race day. Some big prize money races for cutest runners in the 
Aquas Jewel for the two-year-olds and the Tab Jewel for the three-year-olds. And that's the first race we're going to replay. Prince of Boom, he was back with a bang two weeks ago in Toowoomba in the Prelude and he was confidently back to win the grand final yesterday. Here's the replay. Towards the 600, the favourite takes control. Prince of Boom leads Gemalon Boldzuma, California third. Berry Cart was next, Enterprise Palmer working triple time. Just behind that bunch coming to the turn was Blackjack Boom. Then came at the head of the others was Tiger Legend trying to make ground. Ahushu was wider than better than Epic. Boho Beauty, Mashani Sniper, Magnetic Drive, and last of all, I like it, I love it. Prince of Boom headed for the run of the judge, nicely clear. Zuma, California giving brave chase. Then Gemalon Bolden, Berry Carter. Down the outside, Blackjack Boom and Legal Esprit. But Prince of Boom, Prince of Boom, the favourite. He's going great guns. No chance of catching him. He bolted in, beat Zuma, California. Legal Esprit, I'd say, up for third from Mashani Sniper. Then came at the head of the others, Tiger Legend, Berry Card, Boho Beauty, Gemalon Bolt. Then a Hushu, Enterprise Pom. I like it, I love it. Blackjack Boom, Magnetic Drive. And better than epic, last home in 1889. Tens of thousands of races are run as punters, as owners, as trainers, whatever. We like to see the best horse win uh, as the favourite, and that was the case yesterday. Prince of Boom was the best horse in the race, ridden like the best horse, won accordingly, and the punters were happy because he was well backed. And I think Rob Heathcote alluded to that yesterday. He joins us now. Rob, good morning. Yeah, good morning, David. Ben. Uh, he, uh, he, he was the best horse and ridden accordingly by Jimmy Orman. Yeah, he was, and uh, full credit to Jimmy. Jimmy's <clears throat> done the, the last few bits of fast work on him since since he raced at Toowoomba, and Jimmy was just bubbling with confidence all, all week. He just kept saying, no, my baby needs to be good for him. Simple as that, he's back, and, and Jimmy showed it yesterday. I mean, whilst he, he didn't ping the leads, you know, he very quickly mustered speed, and once he... He got to the front. I was quite comfortable then. So, Rob, we're on the, the eve, really, of the, the Winter Carnival. It's not that far away when you when you think about it. I'm assuming you give this guy a, a short let-up and then bring him back for the winner. And if so, w what sort of races would you consider for him? Yeah, spot on, Ben. That's exactly what I'm doing. He'll <clears throat> he'll go out to uh, the Gisborne Farm Washpool tomorrow. He'll have... I'll probably give him a week just in the yard, just to get a bit of sun on his back, and then a week of some treadmill, some treadmill work, and then some water exercising. And then I'm looking at, uh, you guys think I'm crazy, that a rematch with Startantes in the McDiffman Plate on the 23rd of April. <clears throat> I just think it's the right race to bring them both back. It's a set weight race at Dooman, 1,100 metres. It'll set Prince of Boom up nicely for a return to the Gold Coast for the Gold Coast Guineas a couple of weeks later. And Startontos will go the following week to the, uh, the, the 1350 at Dooman, which is also a set weight three-year-old race. So then, then we'll split them up and they'll go different paths through the winter. That leads me to the question. You, you've mentioned the McDippin play to them of the Gold Coast Guineas. Prince of Boom, from a distance point of view, how far do you think he'll get or how far do you want to try him at? David, I've been pondering that question all morning myself and I've poured over the calendar and looked at various race options and I think it's it's a question that I don't have to answer yet, uh, primarily because there's you know abundance of riches through the carnival with some really good set weight three-year-old races around the 1,200-metre mark. And if he were to put his hand up and say, for example, he won the McDickman and then there is another race option a couple of weeks later, then I would consider a race like the Kingsford Smith 1,300 at Eagle Farm and wait for age. So, you know, there's, there's several paths I can take with a horse like him that he may well get 1,400 the way he races, and he does relax beautifully in front. It's just I'm not sure whether we have to exercise that option yet. Mm. And, Rob, there's sort of uh, some echoes of Rothfire, not in, you know, necessarily the way this horse races, but sort of in the backstory. I mean, a, a cheap, sort of relatively cheap buy, I think 20,000 Prince of Boom with, with a group of syndicators, Adrenaline Thoroughbreds. You love these sort of stories, don't you? Just seeing a big group of owners get into a good horse and, and just go on the magic carpet ride. Oh, 100%, Ben. You're spot on. It's what it's all about. It, it, it makes racing affordable for everybody. And 
and that's why you know I love working with the the syndicators or the syndication companies. They they open the door for so many people to come in racing, and those that were at the Gold Coast yesterday clearly evident the joy on people's faces. She's got the boom winning the two year old with a huge band of owners, and then you know one hour later. We see another 40 or 50 very, very happy people. So, no, it's just brilliant for racing. And just on Rothfire, when when could we expect him to, to sort of step out in public for a, for a jump out or a trial? On the 29th, mate, the 29th of this month. So, what's that, Tuesday? Tuesday week, isn't yep. it? Tuesday fortnight? Yeah, so it's the 29th of your trial, and then he'll have another hit out uh, sort of mid, mid-April. mid and then that'll set him up for a return in more than likely the victory stakes, which is towards the end of April. We'll let you go. Just before we go, though, um, that track um, kept improving yesterday. But what I liked about this horse yesterday, one eight eighty nine thirty four oh nine, did it all himself. We saw him lead all the way in Toowoomba. But, gee, I, I've got the impression in these set weight races, uh, I could just see him coming out, taking a sit and travelling. I... I think we can see him not just in the leading role in future. Oh, 100%, David. <clears throat> we talked about that yesterday after the races, but just at the moment, whilst he's still got a, a fair bit of freshness in his legs, it's just taken bad luck out of the equation. But I think further down the line as the races, and we do get to a track like Eagle Farm, a bigger, roomier, more wide-open track, and depending on barriers, I think the option is you're right. You know, take the trail on him, and I think he can go bang, you know, the 200 metre mark and put him to bed. So no, he's, a, he's an exciting horse, and it's it's what puts a bit of air back in my tyres, Benny Boy. Yeah, I, <laughs> I I thought that was the case with you. You're up and down like a yo-yo most of the time, but you're up at the moment. That's what I like. Yeah, no good stuff. I'm on some good gear. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy cool the sales. See, see you later. Good on you guys. There is uh, Rob Heathcote joining us. Good horse to this horse now. Had the, uh, the, the, the tie-back operation, and we're seeing the best of him. And he, he does look... I be- and I, I think Heathcote will plot and plan carefully during the carnival. Probably miss the real big daddy races, but uh, I think he'll be more than pay as well what we're seeing so far. Yeah, and it's funny. I mean, the, the tie-back surgery, I mean, they work with some horses and they don't with others, but clearly um, it's worked here. I've got a probably pay mention here of Zuma California, the runner-up at $51. I was wrapped for Cameron Richardson, the Toowoomba trainer. This horse started looking like a, a real uh, emerging star, uh, winning by big spaces. And, you know, the way he, he was going a couple of months ago or six weeks ago would have almost been one of the favourites for this race. But just um, just had a couple of below-par runs and uh, never never troubled Prince of Boom, but only got beaten two lengths. So really thrilled for him. I think he's only got four or five horses. So I'm just looking. What was it ninety thousand for? Yeah, ninety thousand for second. Because mm. it's the March Magic uh, Millions Yielding Sales at the Gold Coast over the next couple of days, Monday and Tuesday. Spirit of Boom side Prince of Boom, and as the name suggests, he side she's got the boom, and the filly was odds on to win the Aquas Jewel. Around the bend, 400 left to run. Thornton goes about five away from the rail. She's got the boom straight in the lead. Better Rain having a decent crack on the outside. Then Glambergini even now. And Burnish Gold running on. She's got the boom. Hands and heels currently still in the lead from Better Rain and Glambergini. They can't get her as yet. She's got the boom in front. 50 to go. She's got the boom from Better Rain. She's got the boom. The jewel of the crown. Beat home Better Rain. Photo finish third. Even now Glambergini or Toe the line, then Utah Nash followed by Refuel, then came at the head of the others, Honky Tonk Diva, Jukebox Globe, Burnish Gold, Classic Gal, Lady Falvalon and Toba last home in 1981, and the favourite wins. Yeah, the favourite wins, and I didn't have the chance to say that too often in the early part of yesterday, the first four races were horrendous for putters, then Ramlap's Gem 1, and then She's Got the Boom, justified her favouritism $1.85, Spirit of Boom Philly Three from three, Boris Thornton, not only riding her, but then riding the next winner, She Can Sing, who gave Michael Costa a training double yesterday. But she's got the boom, best horse on the day. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Big group of owners in that horse as well. And there on uh, the Gold Coast yesterday, like a proud father, I spoke to after this race, Scott McAlpine, of course, the Eureka Studmaster, who stands Spirit of Boom. 
who side the winners of both the two and the three-year-old races. You said, you know, it's not very often on a big day like this you, you get to do that. They were both favourites, um, you know, heavily favoured to win, but Spirit of Boom just uh, keeps on keeping on and uh, outstanding advertisement for um, Queensland breeding and racing. The colours are white and multicoloured pineapples, and it was a big thing, pineapples. Am I right in saying... They actually wanted hand grenades, is that right? No. Well, I actually did this story uh, for, for RaceNet in the Korea Mail the other day. They wanted cannonballs okay. uh, with a little you know, explosive wick on the end of it, but they were they were knocked back. So they've got a, um, a group of owners in this have got a punters club called the Juice Club or something similar to that or Big Juice or something. So uh, the pineapple sort of name came from there, the, the unique pineapple colours. They've got a graphic designer involved and, and all sorts of things and all the owners were there on track. Some were wearing pineapple ties, some pineapple shirts. And I think my colleague Trenton um, Akers wrote in the Korea Mail today and summed it up very well. There was a lot bigger races around Australia, Group 1s and All-Star Miles, but I reckon when that horse won, you wouldn't have had a bigger cheer anywhere in Australia. They just went off in the mounting yard. Yeah, exactly right. I checked, I checked all of the owners. I think there were a few ring-ins there yesterday as well who might have been owners, but they were part of the, the day, and, and it was a great day. We've run out of time. Thanks, mate. Yeah, thanks, David. Ben Dorries joining, uh, joining me here this morning. On past the post. Thanks for your company as well. Hope you've enjoyed the last hour. Some great interviews, particularly with Danny Williams and Gary Portelli. We'll do it all again next Sunday, but I'll be back with you tomorrow morning on Press Room. We'll have all our regular panellists and uh, a few extra guests as well. Have a good day. Enjoy your day. Bye-bye.